mindfulness mode. You've got to make a commitment to truth. A lot of the chaos that results in people's mind is because they're not being honest with themselves. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, you know, we're always searching for what works for us in this world, for what's right, what makes sense. And sometimes we get into jobs that we get burned out at. Sometimes we're not doing the thing we're supposed to be doing because it just doesn't feel right. Well, I've got the guy on to talk to about all of this today. I've got Sean Cecil with me today. Hey, Sean, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm, I'm always mindful. Well, not always, but I try my best. There are times we all, you know, lose our, our vigilance, but uh, the more you're in that state, the better your life's going to be. And today I sure as hell am. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's great. I'm, I'm so looking forward to talking to you. I think this is going to be really interesting. And I know you're a voracious learner. That's in your in your bio. So tell us what mindfulness means to you, Sean. So for me, mindfulness is really connected to presence um, and especially presence with the thoughts and feelings that are going on within your own mind and also the values and beliefs that are going on within the soul. So I like to differentiate between the conditioned mind, which operates at the speed of uh, neurochemistry with you know dopamine and serotonin and, and cortisol and, and all that stuff, right? And, and then the, the soul, which is not conditioned, which operates at the speed of electromagnetism. Uh, the really interesting research on that, by the way, there's a good book called The Electromagnetic Brain by Dr. Shelley Joy. But to break it down in layman's terms, right, your body is like the robot, your mind is like the software, and you, the real you, are the programmer. And a lot of people think that they are their thoughts. They think that they are their mind, right? And that's not accurate. And so when you're being mindful, right? It means that you're aware of the mind as a separate entity, right? And you're operating from this perspective of the awareness of the programmer, and you can see what's going on, and you can take that step back and disidentify, and that allows you to reprogram yourself, discover new things about yourself, and get more out of life. Well, that's pretty exciting knowing that we can reprogram ourselves because a lot of us, you know, we struggle with that and we think, how do I change that? And we just kind of sometimes give up. What do we do to reprogram ourselves? How can we figure that out? Well, so it starts, it starts with disidentification, right? It starts with just realizing that you are not your mind and seeing the difference between like the real you, which only does two things. It decides what's true and it decides what's valuable. Everything else is thought. Everything else is programming. Everything else is conditioning. And when you see that difference, and it, it takes some practice, you know, but when you see that difference, that's step one. Step two is observation. So step two is as you're looking at the thoughts, they're doing all kinds of crazy things, right? And you've got to be aware if you're going to reprogram something, well, what's it doing, right? You got to be paying attention to, you know, where are these thoughts going? And this is something that, that meditation is a good, uh, you know, a really good step on is to get people to say, hey, listen, what's going on here right now? Just being present. Like, what's happening? What's, what's going on in this head of mine, right? Um, you know, there, there are a lot of exercises that I'll have clients do. Where I'll have them observe specific thought patterns because human beings have specific patterns that crop up for everybody. Right. Um, And that that writing it down is really helpful. So meditation helps writing it down. Right. Which people will do in journaling helps. One thing I've seen with people journaling a lot is they'll get really focused on the external what happened today and not as much on the internal of what was going on in the mind today. 
but this is why you'll see some people who like get amazing results from journaling and some people don't. A lot of it comes down to like, are you going inwards, right? And then from there, once you really understand what's happening, then you can make decisions about what you want to change. And the key is you've got to do it from a place of emotional neutrality. If you do it from a place of self-judgment, it will not shift at all, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? It's got to come from a place of calm, from a place of self-acceptance, from a place of self-love, right? Not, hey, this has to change, but you know, right. I would like this to change. And then you just got to let it flow. Because anytime you try to force it, you're going to have a problem. Forcing things is generally problematic. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go through a dark time before you figured all this out? Uh, I went. I went through a dark time while I was figuring all this out. <laughs> okay. So, could you tell us about that? What was it like? Well, so for me, I had I had started studying the technical aspect when I was very young in university. I got brought into an esoteric school, and I, you know, I was dabbling. I would say, and and that was great while I was in university. I was having fun. I was doing whatever, and then I went into the workforce. And um, I had a couple jobs where I burned out, you know, high prestigious stuff, different reasons, you know, here mm -hmm. and there. But at the end of the day, um, I came to the conclusion that I had to sell my soul to be successful, that I had to choose between being miserable or being broke. And mm -hmm. I could not accept either of those two options. And so I went into a very deep depression that had me on the brink of suicide. Um, oh, wow. If I'm gonna be raw with everybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, specifically in 2016, I found myself staring down the barrel of my pistol a fair few times. Um, and I, I mean, this wasn't like, hey, I was thinking about it. This was like finger on the trigger, like that close kind of thing. Um, wow. And then I had this bizarre series of coincidences that led me to get in touch with my core values, which I think... Mindfulness is this prerequisite to really getting in touch with like who you are. And then once I had that base, it's gonna be hard to build a career that's aligned with this, that also allows me to be successful, but it's not impossible. And if it's, if it's not impossible, then what the hell are my other choices? I gotta be true to who I am. <laughs> and, and that was the beginning of my company and, and, and this whole journey. And then what had once been a very surface level kind of technical far away approach to mindfulness and to meditation and to the inner work became very real and very visceral and very necessary very quickly and and that's what got me out and you created the oculus institute and that's oculusinstitute.com yes. and i was yes. interested i i have to say i had to look up the word oculus because i thought i should know <laughs> what that is but i didn't really know so it's a circular opening in the center of a dome or in a wall why did you decide to use that word for the name of your company because my goal with the oculus institute is to bring truth Ultimately, my core function is to absorb, process, and transmit information and truth um, to other people. And an oculus is what lets in the light. So when there is darkness within mm. the dome, the oculus is the source. It's that, that little gateway of light mm. that, that shines in and illuminates things. Oh, that makes sense. Well, you've developed a system called psychohacking. That sounds mm -hmm. pretty amazing. Tell us about it. So uh, it's, it started with some of the stuff that I, I studied, as I said, in, in an esoteric school called the, the Fourth Way, um, which was a wonderful foundation. But 
there were gaps and there, the ordering was a little bit off and there were some things that weren't quite there. And so when I was, when I got into coaching, I said, Hey, listen, I need to take this from being kind of a bunch of random lessons and put it into a systematic, reliable, repeatable process. I got my degree in engineering, right? Okay. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed in the spirituality space is that there's a lot of very, very valuable principles, but there's not a lot of organized systems necessarily. And so I built an organized system where everything comes exactly where it needs to, one piece after the other, in this kind of ascending ladder of, of self-awareness. And you know it's supported by these various exercises and stuff. And so whenever I've had clients go through it, um, it's, if, 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 they, if they have the courage to face their demons and go all the way through, it has been life-changing 100% of the time. I cannot, I've not seen a single example where it wasn't. And wow. every time I see that, it builds my conviction. <laughs> so I bet it does. <laughs> yeah. Tell yeah. us a story about one of your clients that transitioned through this and came out in a really, really awesome place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had a I had a client named Caitlin, and she was working at a company. Um, she's earning way less than what she was worth, uh, somewhere somewhere around seventy five thousand dollars a year. But it was brutal. She was working long hours. Um, her boss was misogynistic. She was the only woman in the company. Um, it it was something, you know. She'd had a, an autoimmune uh, disease that had occurred, um, which I, by the way, I found when you look at particular patterns of the mind around self judgment and and allowing the inner bully to really go go at you hard, the correlation between that and autoimmune disease is pretty high. Mm. And so. You know, she came in and we, we started working together and we dealt with a lot of that buried trauma. We dealt with a lot of those patterns and she got the courage to first demand better treatment from her boss and then eventually to quit entirely. Now she's freelancing. She's making, you know, six figures a year, working 20 hours a week. Um, it's, it, it's and, you know, her autoimmune disease has actually gone into significant remission. So there's a lot wow. of improvement. The mind-body connection is really intense. So she's, she's one of the, the bigger transformations that I've seen. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. It yeah. really is. I know you help people to earn income and you say that there's only two things you need to establish an independent income. Can you talk about mm -hmm. that? Yeah, absolutely. So all you really need is you need to have some way of providing value to your fellow human beings. Or you need some way of persuading them that you can do so, right? At the end of the day, that's it. A lot of people, they think, oh, I need this job. I need to be, you know, uh, have this salary coming in, et cetera, et cetera. That's not necessarily the case. It can come from a salary. It can come from freelancing. It can come from running your whole business. And people think that they need all these degrees and certifications and you know blah 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 and that's not that's not necessarily true right i've seen a lot of people start businesses with way less than that um but if you're not providing value to other human beings then a n likely no one's going to be interested and if you do manage to get them interested then you're a fraud and you know karma will get you most of the time um and then you know you need to be able to communicate it there are a lot of people who provide value who you know are really there from a place of service, but they haven't studied how to convey and transfer that conviction from themselves to others. And so people skate over them. And then they say, hey, listen, I'm the starving artist. But that starving artist doesn't come 
from trying to do what's what's true to you. It comes from not knowing how to communicate and transfer that conviction to others. There's millions of people out of the work right now because of the pandemic. Are you mm-hmm. helping some of them find work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I had a client who, well, he, he was in work um, and then he, he got a new job getting paid $26,000 a year more at a startup that's a whole hell of a lot more fun than the bureaucracy he was in. I have another client who's been out of work for a year. He just got a job at Amazon, um, 150K a year doing something that he's really interested in, plus some, you know, massive signing bonuses and actually Amazon stock. I think they're going to give him like 30 shares of Amazon stock or 26 or something like that. So that's a, that's a big win for him recently. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, do you let yourself as one of my clients say, uh, just sit there and eat rejection sandwiches and give up? Or do mm-hmm. you change what you're doing? And do you do it from a place of what's what's right for me? What's right for the people that I want to work for? Right? And how if this is truly a good fit, how do I communicate that? And the other thing I would add that, you know, I know some people will write this off, and they'll say it's hooey and all this other kind of stuff is that when you go through an internal shift, right? Like that one client who, you know, got that, you know, massive raise and went to a fun startup instead of being at a, you know, horrible bureaucracy. Before he did that, he went through this massive internal shift around self-love and the fact that he had been falsely beating himself up for being stupid when he's, okay. he's not. And there's a lot of evidence on that. And when he broke through that, suddenly like recruiters were reaching out to him and externally not much changed. But the universe operates in funny ways. It really does. And, you know, it was the same thing with, with the client who'd been out of work for a year and just got the job at Amazon. I mean, it's, he went through a major internal, he stopped beating himself up. He stopped going to that place of self-pity. He went to a place of courage. And then suddenly he got multiple offers and he was choosing between which one was the best, right? Like, it's like that damn breaks. And I just... You know, I'm a, I'm a man of science, right? I got, as I said, I got my degree in biomolecular engineering. I'm a published scientist, but I have seen coincidences that I just cannot write off. Like the data is there. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, let's talk about forgiveness. I have a lot of clients that have real problems with forgiveness and that's what's holding them back. What are your thoughts on forgiveness? Forgiveness of others or forgiveness of yourself? Well, it comes down to forgiveness of yourself, usually, doesn't it? But a lot of people look at it as forgiveness of others. And I think that a lot of people walk around with, with hang-ups that are holding them back because they're hanging on to things that happened with other people initially. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I've seen them be very distinct. So, for example, I once had a client who he had been the victim of a horrible injustice. He had Mm. been falsely accused of domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. The woman who he was accused of abusing testified on the record that he never touched her. (laughs) Right? But the cops claimed that they witnessed it happening because he had gotten... There was a particular policeman who had it out for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it was a horrible situation. And in the end, right, uh, I mean... I believe the court case is still pending, but it looks like he's going to get off because he didn't do anything, Mm -hmm. but it created a whole lot of hassle for him, right, in his life. And he struggled greatly with this concept of forgiveness, and I told him that forgiveness isn't for that other person. They, they They have legitimately done you wrong. 
totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. But it's not about them. Right. It's about you. Because you can still take all the actions to protect yourself, to set boundaries, to make sure that doesn't happen again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can do all of that. But if you sit there and hold that resentment, it's like that old quote um, that's often attributed to Buddha, I think, I think falsely, that, um, that anger is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. Yes. Because the person right. who was burning up was not that cop. It was my client. Right. And, and that, that, is, that is what I communicated to him. Because if he, didn't, if he didn't get to that place of forgiveness, that was what was stopping him from working on his business. That was what was stopping him from earning an income. That was what was stopping him from doing the internal work, right? Now, as you say, there's also forgiveness of, of yourself, right? Which is, I'd say, more common than like really needing to forgive others, right? Because right. there are cases where you have that like massive injustice, but more commonly, it's not really a massive injustice. It's something in yourself you're projecting onto someone else yeah. like yeah. more than 90% of the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the thing about that is that, you know, I, and this is a phrase that I, I, I started using recently is there's an infinite number of mistakes that it is possible to make. And there's an infinite number of opportunities that you will miss. And that's just life. And if you go through life beating yourself up for every one of them, you're guaranteed to be miserable. So you can't look at every little thing. And I, a lot of people, I think, do that. And it's because they have this mental pattern that I call the inner bully, right? They've taken all of the people who put them down, whether it was their parents or bullies at school or whatever, and, and, and those voices have coalesced into this internal avatar that they have given. And the more you feed it, the more powerful it grows. Right, and then sure you beat does. yourself up for everything, and this yeah. is you know this is where I get back to disidentify, realize that that's not you. You're not beating yourself up. There is a mental pattern that is separate from you, that exists in your mind that's doing this, and then observe it, study it, learn its tricks inside and out, pay attention, and then stop feeding it. And slowly, it won't happen immediately. A lot of people they want immediate results, and it doesn't work like that most of the time. Right? Occasionally you have these massive breakthroughs, but most of the time you just watch it, you stop feeding it and you let it wither and die. Yeah, that inner bully is just so cunning and so cruel. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I call it the inner bully as well with my clients. Oh, you do? Speak, yeah, I do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, speaking, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 I didn't know that. <laughs> because I've worked in bullying prevention for oh, okay. a long time, 15 years. And uh, so then I'm like, oh, yeah, well, when you start thinking about mindfulness, there's that bully again. It's that same mm-hmm. bully. It's just that this time it's the inner bully instead of instead of someone else. So do you mm-hmm. have a story about bullying in your life? Maybe you were a bully, maybe you were bullied, maybe, I don't know, as an adult or a kid, where mindfulness would have made a difference. Yeah, I mean, I was bullied a lot as a kid. I, um, I'm probably somewhere on the autism spectrum, if I'm gonna be honest, right? I'm very open about that, because I, I know myself well, and I know the DSM-5, and I can kind of self-diagnose. Um, and on, you know, in some ways, it, it's ended up being my superpower because having that distance is what's allowed me to understand people so well. But mm-hmm. as a child, I didn't. I was not socially very uh, no. adept. <laughs> so yeah. I, I mean, I got I got bullied a lot. I mean, uh, I got you know, kid throw my backpack out the window one time. A football player punched me in the face, drove my teeth into my lower lip. Oh. You know, and I, I remember actually that that particular kid. 
he had he was having trouble at home. His family was was fighting a lot, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't learn until months and months later, right? But he wasn't processing his own issues, and so he took it out on me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that often happens. It does That's- I mean for? Fortunately for me, I discovered at that moment that I actually have an adrenaline disorder I've inherited from my father. And when that blood went into my mouth, I found I was a lot stronger than I normally was. Um, And so I was able to defend myself, which was good. Uh, But ideally, as you say, it would have been better if it had never happened. Right, for sure. You know, if if he had, you know, been able to process his, his issues and his anger management would have prevented that. So Sean, what's your morning routine like? Do you, do you use habit as something that really works for you positively? I mean, I can't not use habit. <laughs> it's, it's so we all do as humans, don't we? <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. not use. The only question is, is it going to be productive or destructive yeah. habits? Is it going to be positive right? or not? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. Um, so normally what happens when I wake up, um, I don't set an alarm. I wake up around the same time, more or less every day because I go to sleep at around the same time, um, you know, and so I'll wake up sometime around like, used to be around like 6.30 to 7, now it's more like 7 to 7.30 because daylight savings time, it'll right. it'll, it'll get back to where it needs to be. Yeah. But you know, the, the clock change kind of threw off my circadian rhythm a bit. Yeah, and the first yeah. thing that I'll do is like, I'll let my brain boot up. Like I really view my brain as a computer uh-huh. And so, like, I'll read The Economist, a uh, little daily espresso, and I'll just kind of get my brain going, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll check my emails, but I won't respond to any of them. So if I have something to do on my emails, I'll just put it on my to-do list, right? So I have a to-do list for every day on Trello. And so mm-hmm. that way I can knock off, hey, the email's not there. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to read it. But I also don't have to do it right now because right now, first thing in the morning, it's not the best time to do it, no. right? So yeah. I just stick it on the to-do list to get to when the time comes. I'll get up, I'll do a set of max push-ups, right? Get get the, the blood flowing physically, um, you know, and then I'll do all the hygiene stuff, brush your teeth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'll go and I'll drink my pre-workout and take my supplements. And then I, three, 30 minutes for the pre-workout to kick in. So then I'll go and I'll knock out a bunch of easy stuff for work mm-hmm. and then I'll go get a nice workout in. I'll come back uh, and, you know, I'll have my protein shake, take my shower, et cetera. And then I may get some more workout in, depending on the time. I may eat an early lunch. And then normally I'll, I'll knock most things out between lunch and dinner. That's like my mm. prime productive time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go grab an early dinner. I generally eat two meals a day, early lunch, early dinner, within six hours of each other. And then if I've got a lot of work, I'll come knock out a little bit, you know, after dinner. But by eight o'clock, after eight, no work, no more. I used to work a lot past then, now I don't. So I, I'll start work later than most people. I'll end work later than most people, but I always give myself that evening and I give myself that morning. Right, and do you work out in the gym? Uh, well, it depends normally. So if I'm lifting weights, I'll go to the gym. It's walking distance from here. If I'm doing cardio, um, depending on what cardio I'm doing, I may go to the gym, I may sprint on the street, I may you know, climb stairs, like, depends. <laughs> Have you ever uh, been a runner? Uh, never really intense. The most that I've ever run is in one go is 10 K. I've done a 10 K run before. Um, I've walked a lot. The most I've ever walked is 20 miles in in one go. Um, but, uh, I've never, I've never been, I like to do hit cardio. So like that high intensity interval stuff, 
Mm-hmm. Right? That that really it's it's efficient. It gets the blood flowing. Burns a lot of calories. So I, I do like that particularly. And do you do any form of meditation? I do. I do a couple different kinds of meditation. Um, one is I do a uh, just you you know like if I'm ever like feel like I'm kind of fragmented like my mind again like a computer it needs to be defragged. Yeah, I just yeah. you know either sit down or go for a walk, and I'll just be mindful and I'll just let it sort its things out and I'll just pay attention and that time to get it operating at high speed again is definitely like the productivity boost is definitely worth the time. A lot of people are like oh I don't have time to meditate. It's like you don't have time not to meditate. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, The other thing is I'll do deep introspective meditation using my psychohacking tools. But I only do that if I notice some kind of significant emotional charge, which is a lot less common now just because I've been doing it for so long that a lot of stuff gets headed off in advance. But not everything. I'm not by any means some enlightened guru, whatever. Like I will not claim that at all. (laughs) I don't want people to think that about me. Like I've got my challenges too. Um, and then, you know, there's there's some other kind of, you know, meditations and rituals I do. One thing I like to do every day is I'll go out on my balcony here because um, I'm, I'm on the 26th floor and I have a really nice view all across. Mm-hmm. And I'll look from the left to the right and I'll notice the beauty of the trees and the buildings and the sky and and especially like if it's like at sunset i'd love to do this at you know sunset time sunset always gets me in a mystic trance and it's this time to just turn off everything and just be present mm-hmm. with with that beauty is i found very soul nourishing ah that's that's awesome in your bio you said that you had an epiphany and that epiphany helped you derive intrinsic enjoyment from learning and sharing can you tell us about that epiphany yeah, yeah. I mean, this this gets back to our earlier story when I, you know, I talked about when I was on the brink of suicide in this like crazy, bizarre sequence of events. Right. I was, um, I went to go pick up a book that I had gotten years ago at the recommendation of a girl that I met in the mall while doing a social psychology experiment. So I go to pick up this book and I get a text from my best friend at the time inviting me to a party hosted by the daughter of the author. Literally while I'm walking to pick up the book. I said, that's strange. And I was like, okay, yeah, man, I'll come. I said, by the way, how do you know this girl? He goes, oh, we're dating now. And I was like, I'm, what? <laughs> That's surprising. Okay, sure. <laughs> and then, um, and then I, he texts me the next day and he's like, hey, by the way, um, her dad's having this event about how to be successful. Do you want to come? And I'm like, at this point, right, I've just been, I've just burned out of my prior job and been fired from my finance job, right? So I've just mm. burned out two jobs in a row. Um, okay. I'm in this point of like searching, like, what am I going to do with my life? And suddenly like this weird sequence of events has a topic that exactly I need to hear. I'm like, okay, sure. I think I'll go to that. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty fascinating. <laughs> right. So I show up there and, you know, he's talking about values discovery and he's talking about, he talks about a whole bunch of things, but the thing that really clicked for me was values. And I realized that most people are not in touch with their values because they haven't cleared out all that static in the radio, right, that we've been talking about. And that's why nobody else in that room lit up the same way that I did. I lit up in a way that no one else did because I cleared that static in the radio. And that's what I, that's, that's what I do now for my clients. I help them clear the static in the radio, which takes a couple of months, and then we do the values discovery and then magic happens. Um, but once I got that sense of, hey, listen, my top value is truth, knowledge, teaching, learning, 
and my core function is to absorb, process, and transmit information, from there, everything else follows, just like Cartesian logic. From that basic premise, my whole life course was set. Wow. Wow, that's quite a story. That must have been just earth-shattering. Did Have you had a lot of different kinds of things like that happen, a lot of epiphanies? They've gotten more frequent, right? So I like to talk about like, like life-altering transformations. Uh-huh. And that was the first one that I'd really, really, really just shaken me to my core. Since then, I've had several. And like particularly last year, I had three, which is, you know, uh, the most I've ever had in a given year. But I, I like to talk about there are three different mindsets, right? There's the stagnation right. mindset, which is what most people are in. Well, they're just going through the day, they're thinking day to day, week to week, and you know, there's, there's no focus on you know, growth or anything like that. Um, and that obviously gets you nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. then, then there's the growth mindset, which is common in the personal development world, where people are saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be a little bit better every day. Every day yeah. I'm going to be a little bit better. And yeah. that will get you pretty far. Right? That will put you ahead of the most people because most people are in the stagnation mindset, like 80% mm-hmm. at least. right? Yeah. So like growth mindset, you'll, you'll do great. But there's this third mindset that you know, I really wrapped my head around last year, which is the transformational mindset, which is to look for one of those life-altering transformations that some people, that even people in the growth mindset will have one or two of them in their lives on average, right? have one every year. And it's possible. A lot of people don't think it's possible, but it is possible. And it's, it's almost like every time it happens, it's like this rejuvenation, like age-wise, like I am as healthy and as fit as I, probably healthier and fitter than I was when I was in university. Like, I, it's almost like if you look at my medical stuff, it looks like I'm aging in reverse. <laughs> like wow. If you look at my liver profiles, if you look at a lot of stuff. I mean, a couple years ago, I got, two years ago, I got hit by a van. I was walking home from the gym. Van takes an illegal left turn at full speed, hits me. I wake up 41 feet away. Ambulance comes by, scoops me off the street, puts me on oxygen because I'm in shock, whatever. I end up making a full recovery with no surgery. Right? Those wow. internal transformations are the fuel that rejuvenate your body. That's what it, that's like, it's, it's like getting extra life. It's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. Okay. Here's the first question. Who is one person who has been a really powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Uh, Mark von Muser. Mark von Muser was a mentor of mine in a group that I used to be in. He used to be uh, really high up in Tony Robbins, and he is—he's a true mystic, and he's influenced me towards, you know, positive psychology, balanced by reason, mindfulness, everything. So I would certainly put him up there. Okay. Well, let's talk about your emotions. So mm-hmm. uh, how? How do you see your emotions differently or deal with your emotions differently as a result of mindfulness? Well, so I don't see my emotions as mine. They're happening and they're present in my space, but I I don't have to be attached to them, right? Mm. They don't have any power over me. And so I can understand where they're coming from. I can understand, hey, listen, that makes sense. Or, you know, hey, listen, this doesn't make sense. This, this doesn't need to be felt. I can discard it or I can change the root cause or whatever, but I don't allow them to control me. Ah, very good. Number three, tell us about breathing. How is breathing part of your mindfulness practice? This is something I only learned this year. Um, oh, yeah? I didn't realize until this year that yeah. uh, I've been breathing wrong. <laughs> 
for, yeah. for, for most of my life. It's crazy. You know, it is <laughs> right? crazy. Um, light and low, soft and slow, right? I did some breathing training actually very recently with some biohackers in Austin. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's fundamentally shifts your parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system. And whether you're always in that kind of like, because like even with all the work that I did, every now and then I would catch these weird little fight or flight things. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. And then I would discard it and I would go about my life. But I was always like, why is this popping up? You know? And, and part of it has to do with your breathing patterns. Like it will suddenly cause you to go into fight or flight mode. And I'm like, where is this weird energy coming from? It's coming from your body. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you share a book that has helped you with mindfulness or a book that maybe some of your clients use? Yeah, so probably the single most recommended book by my clients that they love, and this is one that I endorse as well as The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and especially the concept of the mitote, because when he talks about the mitote, so he also, you know, he he runs an esoteric school. He comes from the Toltec esoteric school. And what all those esoteric schools share in common is that disidentification and analysis and observation. And that when he talks about the mitote, that's what he's talking about. You're not the mitote. The mitote is all the chaos and all that in your head. That's all the thoughts. That is not you. You don't have to be subject to the mitote. You can step aside and observe it. And, and that, and I think he, one of the sequels called The Fifth Agreement that he wrote with his son also kind of delves deeper into that. So great books. Right, yeah. Yeah, I really like his books too. I really like The Four Agreements. It's a great book. Okay, uh, number five, is there an app that you recommend that can help with mindfulness or maybe some of your clients use it? So I don't use any apps nowadays. I did use the Muse app um, and the Muse headband before. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, the mentor I mentioned earlier, Mark and, and, and Russ, who is another mentor of mine, also similar, same, same group, similar uh, respect. Uh, they, they love the Muse app. For me, um, for whatever reason, I, I used it for a while, but I never really got a big jump from it. And I don't know if that's because... I had done a lot of it prior to ever using it. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have talked to many people though who really love it. And of everything I've seen out there, I would say it's the best. Yeah, I think it's really good. I'm, I'm kind of a lot like you. I, I used it for a while. I used it for a few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just wanted to just meditate without it. I didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mean exact, exact same story there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It is cool though. It's very it cool. Is. Yeah. So, yeah, I've recommended it to people for sure. But, uh, yeah. People who while, are just... really dysregulated, right, where their thoughts are really yes. chaotic. I get the sense, like, if you run a mindfulness podcast, your thoughts are probably not super dysregulated. Yeah, I think <laughs> right? that's probably true. I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> and, right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of an expert. But I think um, <laughs> yeah. if somebody hasn't been doing this for, you know, at least five, ten years um, yeah. and their thoughts are all over the place, I think it can really, really help. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up the interview, tell me this. If someone was listening today and they're kind of like all over the place, like you just described, and, you know, they want to become more mindful, they want to become more grounded, they want to kind of get focused on what's right for them, what words of advice would you have, Sean? I think that the most important thing is you've got to make a commitment to truth. A lot of the chaos that results in people's mind is because they're not being honest with themselves. And then Mm. trying to reconcile that cognitive dissonance is an unsolvable problem that throws you into infinite loops. So I would say that's number one, just be honest with yourself and commit to that no matter how uncomfortable it might be. And, and then number two is realize that you are not your mind. Step back, 
observe, right? You don't have to change anything right now. It's not about condemnation or justification. Just get a good sense of what's going on. And then from there, things will flow a lot more naturally. Good advice. Sean, it's been really great talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And your website, I know it's the, not the, it's it's oculusinstitute.com, correct? If, if they go to theoculusinstitute.com, it'll take them to oculusinstitute.com. Oh, okay. I didn't want people like doing spinoff domains and putting up scam sites or whatever. Sure. So I bought that one too. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Oculusinstitute.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's spelled O-C-U- L-U-S. It's actually very easy to spell. Oculus. Yes. Some people Oculus spell it with two C's. That's wrong. It's one C. O-C-U-L-U-S institute.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode, Sean. Thank you for having me, Bruce. It's been fantastic. Real pleasure. Yeah, it has been fun. Take care. Bye now. You too. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks so much for listening again. Hey, you heard Sean. You heard what he said on today's episode. He said some of the biggest problems that people have is because they're not being honest with themselves. Honesty is huge. I would 100% agree with that. And a lot of times we think we're being honest. And I would say that sometimes we don't quite understand the full concept of honesty. We understand honesty with other people and what it means to be truthful or tell a lie. But what about with yourself? To me, that's, that's a little bit different. And so examine whether you're being honest with yourself. Notice, notice that inner bully. Notice what's going on in your mind. And Sean talked about that as well. And, and if you need some help with any of this, or if you feel like you're just, you're just in that position where you are stuck and you can't move forward and you need some help, and you got this negativity going on and you got this uh, voice in your head that's constantly pulling you down, pulling you down, pulling you down, well, let's talk. Connect with me. I'm, I'm right here waiting for you. I'd love to have you reach out to me. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And in the subject line, put discover your purpose and then I'll know that you heard me on this episode. And like so many other listeners, we can talk and we can arrange a few sessions where I can help you. I can help you with coaching, I can help you with hypnosis, and it can make a huge difference. Just like so many of my clients have testified. So uh, thanks so much for listening to Mindfulness Mode today. and just take what we've learned today and use that to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode <laughs>